Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I'm very excited. Um, the guest today is Lydia Bowers. Hi, Lydia. Hi. Hi. Um, would you tell everybody about yourself, and then we'll jump into some conversation? Sure. So I have been in the early childhood field in some various roles and capacities for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then I thought I was making a career change into sex education for some various reasons. <laughs> and I thought always like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because of that, and because of my previous role, I continued to get questions from, you know, friends and family, past coworkers about things relating to young children, you know, okay, well, how do we answer the, where do babies come from question? And, uh, my child won't stop playing with, with themselves. What do we do? And okay, now we're talking about gender, what's going on. And, I quickly realized that there was more of an overlap between those two fields than I would have previously thought. Yeah. So for or that last, some people will be comfortable thinking about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> because normally, you know, anytime we think of children and anything beginning with the letters S-E-X, mm -hmm. we think abuse, right? Right. right. Um, and so mostly what I do now is help parents, um, educators, families talk, be able to have conversations with young children about, you know, bodies. Consent is a big focus of mine, obviously gender, um, and helping people understand that sexuality is a part, is just a human aspect mm -hmm. and that it's a lifelong development thing, just like physical, cognitive, social, emotional development is mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, um, we've, we've talked Lydia and I, um, virtually not in real life. We've never met in real life, but who among us have anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so we've talked about her being on before, but what really, uh, I guess set me in, in motion this time to really make it happen is you've got this new book out. I'm going to show it because some people would be watching this as a video instead of listening to the podcast, but it's called, we listen to our bodies. Um, and, and it's a children's book. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about it, but to start our conversation, what I, one of the things I really love about the book is at the end, you've got a section for the adults who are using the book. Um, and, and the first thing you say is, um, what is consent? So consent is a nuanced concept. It's meaning expands as children and situations mature with young children. We can use the definition agreeing because you want to, this is a child friendly definition. Um, so, so I, I like that because it outlines consent and sets up this point that this is an important thing to talk about with children. But also I think that the word consent and the idea has been politicized to some extent. So you throwing in that, you know, agreeing because you want to, I think will help those folks who maybe have an immediate trigger about the word consent. Yeah. Because it has been sort of set up as something problematic instead of just, yeah, we should be helping children right? understand this. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important for people to realize that consent isn't just about sex. Yeah. And that's one of those things that we've heard the term being used more and more, but that's usually what it's in relation to. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's primarily used with adults or college students. And I had some pushback 
even when I was talking about teaching young children consent, and I'm pretty sure it's just sort of Twitter trolls, right? Yeah. Saying you're saying young children can consent, like no, oh, God. come on now, <laughs> let's think through this. That's not what I'm saying, yes. but the concept of consent certainly is used and is necessary when we're talking about adult sexual relationships. But again, we aren't going to teach five-year-olds how to drive a car, but we're also not going to say, well, you can't even look at a car until you're 16. You know, there are still foundations, you know, no, of course, we're not going to have a two-year-old run a marathon, but we are going to help support physical development. And consent is a social emotional skill. It's just another aspect of you know, interacting with other people, mm-hmm. understanding our own feelings, our own bodies, and learning how to do that in age-appropriate ways, starting from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a necessary foundation for all of the boundary setting that's become very popular to talk about now. And yeah. I don't, I'm not de- belittling that; it is important to be able to do that boundary setting. But um, it's if we think of it as Um, both important and relevant to children's lives now because they're fully human beings who deserve some some uh, agreeing to um, power or saying no to power but also because it does set a standard for for the rest of their their lives in that way so um uh so just sort of tell me about tell us about the book So it is the first in a series of six, actually. Mm -hmm. So the final one will be out uh, towards the end of next year. Um, So the second one will be out in September and then two more next spring and then the final two in the fall. And the idea is that I've, when I've been teaching workshops, I usually have five steps to consent that I teach. And so they're sort of loosely based on that. And Normally, like with the first one, I love that this is the first one out that we listen to our bodies because it's not something that people typically think of when you're talking about consent. Mm -hmm. And that usually is, you know, either asking permission or I don't have to give hugs, which we'll get to in books. (laughs) But this idea that in order to actually consent to something, you have to emotionally consent as well. Mm -hmm. And many times we don't. And I think especially in the early childhood field, there are many times where we feel obligated to do things or, you know, it's, we are trying to be so emotionally open and connected with children. It can be hard for us to sometimes think about what we really need as well. Mm -hmm. And as a society, we are really good at suppressing the messages from our bodies and we tend to not listen to them or, you know, whether that's physical sensations, whether that's saying, okay, well, something kind of feels off, but I don't have any proof that something's wrong. So I'm just going to ignore it. And it doesn't mean that necessarily something is wrong, but the more we ignore what our bodies are trying to tell us, the more we just turn that off Mm -hmm. and to the point where we just don't hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. And most of the books are based on kids I know, and um, at least, you know, based on real experiences and real problems that they've worked through. Um, And in this case, even recognizing that um, my niece, who this one was sort of based on, um, you know, used to want to wrestle with brothers, but then would get really upset and, 
it would just really get overwhelmed real fast and would still be saying, well, I want to play, but you know, we'd have to say, okay, well, hold on. Let's, but let's listen to what your body's saying. Like I I'm seeing the tears in your eyes right now. You know, I'm seeing your 10 steps. So what is that actually telling you? And sometimes we have to help children understand. Sometimes we have to kind of reteach ourselves as well to stop and go, okay, what are these physical sensations? Um, you know, what, what does it physically feel like when I'm feeling angry? What is my body doing? And like at the end of the book, I use the example of making a body map where you sort of assign a, a color to each of these emotions and then color on a body where you feel that, mm-hmm. um, you know, my child usually does hands red because his fists clench up as soon as he gets angry <laughs> and, or, the, you know, in the teeth. Uh-huh. And so kind of bringing that to the conscious, you know, part like, okay, so what is it that I'm doing when I'm feeling this? Because if we're not aware of what we're feeling and someone says, well, can I give you a hug? We may say yes, mm-hmm. because we feel we're obligated to, we're in the habit of saying yes. And sometimes we may not even realize we feel uncomfortable about it. And so part of that consent piece is learning to recognize how am I feeling? How do I know this is what I'm feeling so that I can authentically say yes or no to this? Yeah. So the, and of course the book tells a very specific story about Mm -hmm. uh, a child who's, who's processing all of this and the adults who are helping. Um, But are there, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are there examples of sort of in early childhood settings, what kinds of situations might this be relevant to, or does does that Well, I think um, a lot of conflict, obviously like in the book, um, Deja, the girl pushes another child. And I made the choice to not focus on what we normally focused it on is, you know, okay, well, what do you say to them when you've just pushed the assumption is going to be the teachers will deal with that later. But I really wanted to focus on, you know, that recognition that especially for young children, many of those times when things like pushing or hitting or biting mm-hmm. happen, it is often not a conscious choice the child has even thought through. That panic sets in or that fear sets in and they just react. And that many times we do need to take care of the child that has been injured, right? And so in the story, the other teacher is taking care of him while the second one is talking with Deja, but talking through, okay, no, what are those emotions? What are you feeling? Because if we're only addressing the behavior, we're often missing, you know, the reason behind it and an opportunity to help a child slow down and listen to that, which is a much more holistic preventative measure. Um, So, you know, many times those moments of lashing out, um, you know, I've, you know, how many times on the playground, you know, where you have children chasing each other and somebody gets panicked all of a sudden and just taking, okay, no, hang on. I'm seeing your face. Let's give it a minute. If you need to say timeout, you can say timeout. Um, and I think then for the adults as much, you know, thinking about our own reactions when we see a child hit or push, you know, how are we responding and why are we responding that way? How, you know, and obviously if you're in a classroom by yourself, it gets difficult because you need to, you know, you can't stop and process with both children at the same time easily. But 
Um, but even recognizing for ourselves, a lot of times, and I think again, sorry, I'm circling around here. Yeah, that's what we do. That, <laughs> that for a career that requires so much emotional vulnerability on our part, mm-hmm. because you can't be emotionally available for children and somehow still shut off all of your stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's one of those things where sure in an ideal world, you can say, leave your own emotional stuff at the door, but emotions don't really work that way. Right. And many times we respond to children based on our own backgrounds and our own histories and our own personal um, experiences. And so sometimes it's just as important for us as educators to go, okay, I'm responding in yeah. a certain way, you know, what, okay, I need to process my stuff now. What is it that's Because most of us have been sort of socialized and raised to hide those emotions or not pay attention or label them as good or bad. Um, Mm -hmm. Or to be just to not be able to say, to admit, you know, we think, well, I'm the teacher. I should be um, sort of uh, immune from, (laughs) from these emotional reactions Um, or we, or what, so I, this sort of reminds me of what so many of us have been, this contradicts what so many of us have been taught to do in conflict situations or sort of aggressive behavior situations where we talk about planned ignoring and we're going to ignore the one who did the hurting and we're only going to focus on, um, so we don't give any positive attention to to that child. And um, I think this is a completely different way of thinking about it. I'm not arguing with you. I I like your way, (laughs) but I think for some people, they're going to hear that and they're going to be like, whoa, that's not what I was taught. That's not what we learned in school. Or that's not what that training that my boss made me do said to do. Well, and I, I do think that, you know, it is important to recognize that not all the focus certainly should be on the child who did the injuring, Mm -hmm. you know, who pushed, you know, you, we need to make sure that that other child is cared for and their feelings are talked about. And again, that's why it's nice when you have a (laughs) co-teacher where you can, you know, each, but yeah, when we are ignoring a child, there's very real needs there. Children push for reasons. Um, you know, it's, there's some developmental things there where sometimes (laughs) that's sort of the age we're at and, but we push because we, feel like we don't have another option Mm -hmm. and, you know, we fight for all sorts of reasons and um, there, but unless we're addressing those reasons, we're not helping them figure out a better way. Right. Right. And, um, it, I don't know, it's just so counter to our cultural ideas of, um, and, and we're, we've kind of gotten into specifically like behavioral kinds of considerations mm-hmm. in this, but um, counter to our group thinking and experience of, well, you can't just let kids get away with stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but yeah. if we want to see less of that stuff, then this is what we have to pay attention to. And some, we have to do some coaching about their, their bodies and what they feel like right before they do that thing that we don't want them to do anymore. And um you know, they, they need that awareness just as much as we do for our own management of emotions. They just need a little bit more co-regulation than we do, hopefully as adults. Yeah. 
And I, you know, and I think if the book were to have gone on and given a much more bigger picture of what's going on in the classroom, certainly there would have been some more conversation after that last page is done is, okay, well, let's go talk to Jackson about how he's mm-hmm. feeling and what can we do to help fix this situation? Because obviously that needs to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but this idea of, well, we can't let children get away with it and ignoring being the response to that. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I mean, that feels just as much sort of counterintuitive. Yeah. We're, <laughs> I mean, you're going to ignore them and then tell them to say sorry, but they may not be feeling very sorry right now. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if that need hasn't been addressed. Yeah. And I've definitely worked with children who are just as afraid of what happened after they've had, you know, after they've hit somebody or they've bitten somebody as the kid who got hit or bit is like, they're Uh, just as overwhelmed and scared about what just happened. And that's a perfect time to try and help them sort of navigate that piece of it too. Yeah. Because as humans, we do lash out as adults. Hopefully we're not pushing, but we snap at people, yeah. you know, we go make angry Facebook posts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. right. And, Text snarky things to the person right? who will understand. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's an important skill to teach that, okay, sometimes we do that. So we need to be able to take a step back and figure out why did I respond that way? Mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, go from there. Yeah. And that's why, again, this idea of listening to our bodies and being aware of that is such an important aspect of consent. Mm-hmm. And it's not one we normally think of as being part of consent. Right. Um, I've started to think um, just kind of sort of across the board. So yeah, there are definitely specific situations where we're saying things like, did you want him to do that? Or did you want her to knock your tower down? And those kinds of things fit into this conversation too. But I try to think about a whole day with young children and, you know, from using the bathroom to meal times to, um, you know, sitting down for a story or something, there's, there's opportunity throughout all of that to send a child message that your body is, is saying something to you and you, it's okay to pay attention to that. Yeah. Like yeah. the child who can't sit crisscross applesauce, his body is telling him, I can't sit this yeah. way. <laughs> like, and yeah. we, and we punish them for that instead of realizing, um, you know, there's some, there's a, there's an opportunity here to teach about um, agreeing because you want to. <laughs> yeah. And even, it's, and it can be difficult depending on how, you know, a childcare center or a preschool is set up with bathrooms and things, but sure. even just the idea of we're all going to go to the bathroom at the same time, you know, again, yeah. you're not letting them listen to their bodies. Right. And again, I get that, you know, ratios and supervision that can be very difficult depending on what things are like there, but yeah, teaching children to listen to their bodies to be able to recognize that that's so important yeah yeah or you know cleaning your plate before you get up from the table all that kind of stuff it's become a kind of a joke in my house because um my my husband is new to this kind of well to most of my early childhood thinking it just is new for him but um the one that really sticks with him is me talking about you know letting kids know that oh your body is telling you it's full right now that's okay you don't have to eat anymore so that's what we say to each other (laughs) it's like my body's telling me I've eaten too much and we laugh about it but it's a it's a wonderful opportunity and a choice we make in that moment yeah absolutely either force our idea onto their body or 
help them understand that there's a cue they could listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we're having some of those conversations about things like food and bathroom, I, the other thing that's important when we have these conversations about consent is that many times people then say, okay, well, am I supposed to ask my child's permission for everything? <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. You know, and you know, I, there was on Facebook a few years ago, an article saying, well, the sex educator said that you need to ask your baby's permission before you change their diaper. Yeah. And you know, and I, I saw several other kind of sex ed colleagues say, oh yeah, this is great. And I was like, no, hold on, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you what's going to happen here. Um, and because no, obviously, you know, if anyone has a young child, but certainly if you're in early childhood, you know, the minute you ask a toddler, mm-hmm. Hey, can we change your diaper right now? Yeah. The answer is going to be no, like that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And so one of the things that I try to make sure when we're talking about consent is that there certainly are times where you you just should not ask a child Yeah. and there, you know, usually it's health and safety related. You know, my child doesn't get a choice to go to the doctor or not. You know, my child doesn't get a choice about whether or not they can brush their teeth. And, um, and in those situations, we can still teach these consent foundations one about listening to our bodies, right? But also just recognizing that their bodies are worthy of respect. So instead of, you know, the assembly line diaper changing that often happens, um, taking the time to say, all right, I'm, it's time to change your diaper. I'm going to pick you up now mm-hmm. and talking through each step of, right. you know, or, and give choices where you can, you know, do you want to take a bath now or in five minutes, or do you want to hold your clean diaper or your clean clothes? And, um, yeah. And I've, know, I've been a fan of Meg de Gerber since I heard of her. And I don't know if that's someone you're familiar with. I, but she, that was very, that's very much her philosophy is that we respect children's bodies and we don't do anything to them without telling them, you know, mm-hmm. not, we're not necessarily asking an infant's permission right. to change their diaper, but we are treating their body respectfully and saying, you know, coming up to the, their level and not swooping up from behind and, um, and all those things before I even thought about consent as a word or something we need to think about yeah. Just that it, it all comes down to that idea of respect and that um, that child that you're working with, caring for, is as fully human as you are. So yeah. if yeah, you wouldn't absolutely. want to be treated that way on the doctor's table at your exam, then don't treat the baby exactly. that way. <laughs> because there are plenty of things as adults that I don't want to do, but I still have to do. Yeah, yeah. And there are times where that's the case, you know, but I want to know, yeah, it's, the same thing with doctors, you know, Uh there, and, you know, especially if you, when someone's taking the child to a pediatrician and if a pediatrician is just kind of going through the motions as well, you know, you're well within your rights to say, hold on, we're really trying to teach consent here, but also recognizing that we need to know what you're doing, you know, and we need you to talk through with me and with my child about this, because if a doctor, if a pediatrician isn't going to respect that, then it's good to find a new one. Right. Um, (laughs) and you know, and I, I have doctor friends who have their, you know, like, yeah, no, they absolutely should be doing that. If they are not going to respect that, then if possible, find somebody else because, um, 
you know, yeah, we want to know what's going on. And, you know, sometimes with shots, people will say, don't tell me, just do it. But again, you're making that choice, right. you know, and you still know a shot's um, coming. You st- right. right. <laughs> and um, yeah, because there are, there are plenty of times where, yeah, we have to do things we don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, and so that's not a consent issue. And so again, that, that definition of agreeing because you want to mm-hmm. is a very simple definition. Um, sometimes when people are talking about consent, you know, you'll hear people say, well, yes means yes. It doesn't always though. Right. Yeah. If someone's being coerced, if someone feels guilty, if, um, I say, yes, you know, I'll do the dishes. I never want to <laughs> do the dishes. Do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so usually when we're talking about consent with young children, it is things more about, you know, physical affection. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the sort of the primary area. Um, but again, sort of recognizing some of those body cues and yeah. things like that too. So. Yeah. And I think we can sit down and kind of think about our days with children and say, okay, what, what times of the day, isn't there a choice? You know, what are the times? Yeah. And, and then how often throughout the day can I make sure that I'm honoring um, the idea of consent, but also using sort of the language, mm-hmm. age appropriate language for these ideas um, so that when there are those times that there is no choice and you have to like, everybody else is inside, everybody's going home for the day, one child still wants to be on the playground. And, yeah, know, well, yeah. We have to go in. It's not yeah. safe for you to stay here by yourself. Um, so then, then it also, there's less of a fight from them in those moments, usually yeah. because we've given them that little bit of power as much as we can through the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that health and safety bit, you know, and I think that's, we can say, okay, this is a safety issue. This yeah. is about being safe. You know, obviously if there's a fire drill, you know, the alarm goes off, this <laughs> is a safe go. issue. You ha- we all have to go now. Um, you know, because obviously in that case, you may not have time to talk through exactly everything. And How's there your are body feeling when that alarm goes on. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Maybe we debrief a little bit about, right. well, and that is good to debrief yes, after, sure, but, yes. um, but you know, or even when everyone's standing outside, okay, yeah. how are our bodies feeling? Yes. Right yeah. Let's, let's think about this. Yeah. Um, but in those moments for children, so often it's that that like fight, flight, or freeze mm-hmm. response kicks in. And so like in Deja's case in the book, that panic welled up and she pushed, well, that was, you know, that's a fight response yeah. or kind of a combination of some of them, but, you know, and those often, so if there is a fire drill, can you get outside afterwards and let kids run around? Because mm-hmm. so many of that, res- so much of that response, the fight, flight, freeze stuff, our bodies aren't used to just, having that go and then nothing else happens. Right. And then you it's know, just okay response, again. Yeah. You almost need that physical movement to kind of let that part of your brain say, okay, look, we've escaped the danger. Now we can relax. <laughs> so when you have a traumatic, a scary moment, you know, if there's a way to let children work off some big muscle movement, that's mm-hmm. going to allow their brains as well as their bodies to sort of process and sort of reabsorb that and be able to move on. Yeah. So there there's, and I, I don't, 
this is a whole different direction, but I did want to, um, I did, because in this little section for the teachers at the end of the book, you talk about the fallacy of stranger danger, and that's just still such a foreign concept to so many people that I wanted to ask you to speak to that a little bit, because, you know, we all had that drummed into our heads for so oh, yeah. long. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's, so now it's hard to talk in another way about it. So of children under the age of 18 that are sexually abused, uh, 7% is strangers. 93% of the time, it is by people they know, often family, but usually, but people close mm-hmm. to them. And so, well, certainly we should teach children not to just drive off with a random <laughs> person, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't teach safety there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we drill into people's heads, don't talk to strangers then if a child is lost, it can be hard for them to find someone to get help from because then they also go, okay, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do now. Right. Um, but so the idea then, one of the big reasons for teaching consent early and allowing children to say no to physical affection, even to family members, even to people that they know and trust is that if you are able and feel confident in being able to say no to safe people, then you are far more likely to be able to feel more comfortable saying no in this, in a situation that may not be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And because most of the time that abuse is from people they do know, if you're only teaching stranger danger, then again, there's this feeling of, well, I'm obligated to go along with this. And I know there's been different studies where um, jailed sexual offenders were interviewed Mm -hmm. and the majority groomed children where it wasn't sexual touch right off the bat. Mm -hmm. It was very non-sexual. It's touches on the arms or hugs and they get children used to that and continue, you know, continue to progress further and further. So again, when a child feels something's off and is able to listen to that from the beginning and just say, Oh, I don't want to hug. Then that can help stop that there. Mm -hmm. And also in these interviews, a lot of these perpetrators said that if a child said, no, if a child had felt that like confidence agency understood, you know, body terms and things, it just wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't worth pursuing. It wasn't worth trying. So you have these perpetrators who have said, yeah, no, I, it, I wouldn't have even tried that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously it means they would have tried with another with child. somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, so it doesn't get rid of all abuse, but the fact that you have this hit that's been said, okay, if a child recognizes this one, we're not going to try it with them, but also if they're feeling comfortable saying, no, don't hug me then you're not, they're not even going to be able to get to further. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a study done by Columbia university in 2018 or something. And they found that children who had received some form of consent education, even as young as preschool and kindergarten were 50% less likely to be sexually assaulted in college, Mm. which is just mind boggling yes. because if you think of assault statistics, that's like one in four women, one in six men, you know, it's horrifically high, uh-huh. 
But here's this way you can cut that in half. You know, it's vitally important that we're teaching this to children Mm -hmm. because it's when we're talking about child abuse, it's not that we're only trying to prevent victims. We're also trying to prevent the perpetrators. Sure. Yeah. Which is the flip side of all of this consent. Right. And that's, that's part of, again, this learning to recognize our own bodies and emotions because that's going to help us better empathize. If I can recognize mine, then I can start applying that to how you feel as well. Mm-hmm. And learning this and understanding boundaries and respecting that now not only keeps children safe, but hopefully is teaching these the children that would otherwise have ended up as perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. That was, that was <laughs> really heavy Ooh. there for yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what else do you want to say about the book other than that people should buy it? I mean, just, <laughs> is there anything else you were hoping that we were going to talk about that we um, haven't gotten to know. yet? I'm yeah. So it's it's up for sale now, and then the second one is um, will be out in September, mm-hmm. and that one is we check in with ourselves. And that one's specifically kind of about sort of going off of this idea of listening to our bodies. It's also about how we have to kind of stop in the middle of activity sometimes and go, okay, well, how am I feeling? But also how are you feeling too? (laughs) And, you know, and sort of recognize that um, for ourselves and for other people, it sort of takes that we're listening to our bodies. Okay. Now, how do we apply that when we're in the middle of activities and actions and, you know, the idea that checking in means we can change our mind. Uh You know, somebody can be playing and having fun and then want to do something else and that that's okay. Um, So that will be out in September and then, you know, all the rest will be. So, so I forgot, I usually also want to always remember to give credit to the illustrators too. And the the illustrations are wonderful in this book. Um, Isabel Munoz. Uh And yeah. Oh, I absolutely adore her work. And especially because so many of these characters were based on children. I know Um, it was just really an incredible experience um, because they had me write up character descriptions and just to see what she did with those uh-huh. and how she brought them to life. And, you know, they're their own. They're not obviously the same people. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I have loved seeing her work. And every time yeah. I would get an email with here's new illustrations, <laughs> I get really excited. Um, awesome. And, and if people want to contact you or learn more from you, where are you? So my email, not email, I mean, sure. Email, but my <laughs> Website is Lydia M Bowers.com. And then from there, you know, there's email. And I think most of my social media is Lydia M Bowers. I do have a TikTok account, which is not Lydia M Bowers. Uh, and it's B-O-W-E-R-S. B-O-W-E-R-S. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, we'll we'll post some of that when the when the episode goes live too. But I- there there is a website specifically for the book series, and that's we say what's okay and okay is okay.com. Yep. I see it right on the Um, cover. Yeah. So that's, that's there as well. So that's specifically all the book details and cool. All that information. And the other thing with the book actually, which I think is really cool. There is a um, curriculum 
organize or they write like SEL curriculum mm -hmm. uh, based in New York called Peaceful Schools. And they have, they are writing a song to go along with each book. So yeah, um, yeah I had so actually the missed the song there. the first, when I first got it and I was all excited about it. And I, I messaged you to record. And then later I was like, oh, there's a song. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's been, that's been really cool. And I've received messages from friends of their kids just singing, like sitting there singing the song, which that's is great. really cute. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's awesome. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's been really exciting to have that as part of it. So once it's all, once all the books are out, they actually will have all the songs with vocals and then they're going to have the instrumental versions as well for people wow. who want to do things like that. So mm -hmm. that'll yeah, be fun. It's really exciting. It is exciting. And I'm so grateful that I found it. Um, and then I looked at the name and I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh, so I you don't found know the who book Lydia before. is. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I didn't. Yeah, well, that's like someone else shared know, it in a group. Yeah. Yeah. Who has seen it based on, you know, see, finding the book first or uh -huh. who has seen it based on because they know me. So, no, oh, yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of fun. Um, well, thank you so much. This was a great Absolutely. conversation. Um, such, uh, you know, it's a heavy topic, but it's not an, un it's not unattainable. Like we, right. it's not something right. that, um, and it's not something you have to go buy a bunch of equipment to implement in your programs. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of tweaking the way we interact with children at the beginning. Absolutely. You know, obviously there are things we can do. So thank you very much. Yes. Thank for you for having your me. Work. <laughs> and thanks everybody else for listening to another episode. Um, and, and I am sure there will be comments and questions and things when this posts. So um, we'll have an opportunity to keep the conversation going. All right. Thank you everyone. Come back next week for a new episode. Bye.